Today on Sagittarian Matters, we have tales about human tales, Martha Stewart eating weird things, Saturday Night Live, and more with my very special guest, Dynasty Handbag, also known as Jibs Cameron. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters, Sagittarian Matters, what's the from Los Angeles, California. I'm staying in a home with a bonus dog and a bonus cat and bonus a pack of coyotes directly outside the window, baying and howling and barking um, at all hours after it is dark outside. Producer Pano, who is essentially an appetizer for a coyote, is being kept very safely inside and close to me. Don't worry, but I will include some audio of the coyotes yipping and howling Um, after this very long introduction. Okay, a few announcements. Number one, if you are in San Francisco, I'm going to be there this Wednesday, September 25th, doing an in-conversation with artist Mari Andrew at the Herbst Theater. You can get tickets at ciis.org. The next thing I want to tell you is if you are in Los Angeles, I am hosting an in-conversation on October 2nd with Diane Newman, Mari Naomi, Awan Mance, and Lee Mars. It's at Skylight Books. We are talking about the book Drawing Power, which is about women and sexual assault and power. Okay, last but not least, I have a new issue of my comic zine, Invincible Summer. It's out now. It's 36 pages. It includes my illustrated interview with Alison Bechdel. It includes my own comic that was in a sexual assault anthology. It includes some diary comics about being in Oakland, a pet portrait of Ponyo, an anonymous fuzzball, and more. You can get them at NicoleJGeorges.com or if you are a Ponyo's Friend Club member on Patreon, you can get it there. Patreon.com slash NicoleJGeorges. If you're a Ponyo's Friend Club member, I'll just send it to you because you're a subscriber. All right. On to a very quick top 10. Number one, dipping salted chocolate into roasted tahini. Yum. Number two, I almost got some weird probiotic prunes at the store, but I got scared because some of the ingredients were copyrighted by a biotech company. Number three, I love the book Hot Comb by Dr. Ebony Flowers. It is a comic collection of stories about black women and their hair. Number four, number four, number five, the show Couples Therapy on Showtime. Number six, the show On Becoming a God in Central Florida on Showtime, which features friend to the show, Beth Ditto. Number six, there is a scalding hot, almost unbelievably candid episode of the podcast Hot Goss with Willem and Alaska, drag queens, in which Delta Work talks about being fired from RuPaul's Drag Race. It is insane how candid she is in this. It makes me like feel like they should have edited out the whole thing because... It's, it's that hot. The gossip is that hot. Uh, number seven, spinprint.com, S-P-I-N-N, is where I got pretty economical color photocopies for my comic. So if you're a cartoonist, check it out. Number eight, I just finished the book Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb. I listened to it on Audible, and the reader had one of those annoying voices where she sounds like she's smile laughing all the time. I give it a solid mediocre star. Um, number three. 11 um thank god the podcast still processing is back i love that podcast 
Number 12, I made beans and greens with heirloom beans from Rancho Gordo in a slow cooker. I grated Miyoko's vegan cheese on top. It was cheddarish and it was tray magnifique. Number 11, I am addicted to Trader Joe's everything but the bagel seasoning. Uh, I put it on tofu scramble or if I need a midnight snack and I don't have anything appropriate, I will put a slab of Miyoko's butter on a saltine and put this um, shake shaker of stuff directly on top of it. It's all the stuff from the top of an everything bagel that's been scraped into like a salt shaker and you can put it on anything and pretend like you're eating a bagel. The last thing I want to tell you about is a terrible show I'm watching called Are You The One on MTV. It's a show where they get a bunch of people who are single and bad at relationships. They put them in a house, they ply them with liquor, they get them to hump each other, they tell them that they're perfect matches in the house and they have to hump their way to find them. But this season, season eight, it's an all queer cast. However, in order to stay apolitical, they are calling them sexually fluid. Everyone in the house is sexually fluid. So everyone could have sex with everyone. Uh, That's the show I'm watching right now for better or for worse. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you have a great week and let me know if you have food things or books or movies that you are really liking right now. Bye. Dynasty Handbag is the stage name of artist Jibs Cameron. Jibs is a performance and video artist living in Los Angeles, California with her tiny gray chihuahua, Clyde. Jibs was called outrageously smart, grotesque, and innovative by The New Yorker. You can find her many ways. Number one, if you're in Los Angeles, she hosts Weirdo Night once a month at Zebulon. If you don't live in Los Angeles, you can watch it from afar on YouTube with her new show, Masterpiece Weirdo. If you want to find more videos of Jibs as Dynasty Handbag, go to DynastyHandbag.com. But if you want to throw her some dollars and get to bad dad level like I'm at on Patreon, go to Patreon.com slash Dynasty Handbag. Now please enjoy my talk with artist Jibs Cameron. The last time we talked was the day before the 2016 election and we had a lot of fun but we've both been haunted ever since. I hope this episode is redemptive. Please enjoy our talk. Jibs, <laughs> tell me, please, do you know anyone with a tail? Oh, funny you ask. <laughs> a human with a tail. I do. Can um, you tell me a story about anyone with a tail? Pretend like it's the moth. The Moth Junior. Hey guys, hey everybody. It's great to be here tonight at the Moth. Well, anyway, when I was, you just dive right in, right? You'll be like, we walked through the forest, leaves crunching under our feet. <laughs> um, so, I grew up a little bit unconventional, you could say. Um, I did. I grew up uh, commune adjacent. Um, sidecar to the commune and when I was a kid uh, my the commune that I grew up 
with where my parents met also started a summer camp in the 1980s for performing arts called Camp Winter Rainbow. It's a famous camp uh, run by Wavy Gravy. Oh my god! The Woodstock of the the Woodstock of MC, the MC of Woodstock, oh, the famous I'm clown. Very familiar. Yeah, Wavy is like um, was the person who taught me acting. Really? That's how I learned improvisation from a man who wore a hat that had a fried egg on top of it when it was really hot. Um, and uh, yeah, so camp was like a big part of my childhood. I loved it so much um because I was away from my parents and or that actually my mom was kind of around because she worked at the camp but I just loved it anyway there was a family that had um that lived in a bus and the girls would go to the camp too or maybe they just lived on the commune and would like hang out I don't know it was all like everybody was sort of involved in one way or another and their mom was sort of like this there's like a brand of like hi- sort of like hypersexual hippie lady that are all- they're also mean and hate children. Oh, oh yeah, because they're because get- the children are like getting in the way. The children are cock blocking or what? I guess or like they're only nice to their own kid, like their son probably, and then like like I feel like there was a few of those bitches like around on you know, and this woman was one of them. Was the mom of these two girls. And the two girls were really nice, but they were very shy and kind of weird. I mean, everybody was really weird, but there was something about them. We knew that their mom was kind of a twat, and nobody liked her. So one day, and the rumor was is that one of them had a tail. And I think I was probably maybe around eight or nine, and she was probably about the same age. Um, and... One of them, um, one of the daughters and I went down to the river one day to go swimming, like play with rocks, because uh, we didn't have any toys because we were poor hippies, so we had to play with carrots and rocks and things like that. What was you do with <laughs> <Just> a carrot? <laughs> like as cars, <laughs> like we had Barbies, but they were carrots. Um, just kidding. Anyway, uh, that's how I learned to do makeup. Yeah. <laughs> And hair. Um, <laughs> and we went down there and um, to the river. And we had to pee. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, does she, like, she, I was with the one that had been, been rumored to have a tail. And um, I was like, I'm going to go pee-pee. And I, like, pulled down my underpants and, like, started peeing. And then she pulled down her underpants. And out tumbles this... <laughs> Braid this like la this like braided clump of hair, a tail, if you will. I might have made this last part up, but it was braided, and I think it had bells on it. It may not have had bells on it, but it might as well have had bells on it. And I pretended to act super surprised. <laughs> um. I think, and then I think I asked her about it. Like, oh, you got your tail. Like, do you like it or something? <laughs> and then she sort of said, like, something like, no, I don't like it. And my mom won't let me cut it off. Weird. Yeah. Because it was beautiful. Like, it wasn't like a, t- like a flesh tail, like a dog tail that had, like, a bone and skin. It was just hair. 
I and was it, wondering if it was like a lion's tail that had like skin and then hair at the end. <laughs> no. Like a toilet brush? No, it was not like that. It was just, it was like a, it was like a thin braid of blonde hair. Wow. Yeah. I mean, in my memory, it's like tumbling out of her like cotton panties and like, dust, you know, like sweeping the, the, the sand by the river, but it's, um, it's a little hazy. It's a memory. Did you go back and tell people you saw the tale? Were you like, oh, I can confirm? I don't. I think I might have told a couple of good friends and my sisters, but that's it. I just felt kind of, I did feel kind of bad for her. Like, I didn't feel like exploiting it. Because I could tell that she was just like, this is a nightmare in my life. is a fucking horror show. Because I have a tale. And my mom, (laughs) like, cut it off. You know, it's like most kids, it's like their moms, like, won't, you know, don't cut your hair, or, like, we won't brush it, or shoes are for the, the, the shoes are for the, for the fascists. Yeah. <laughs> and, but a tail is kind of like, that should be a choice. That should be a choice. From day one. Maybe the mom was like, when you're old enough, you can make the choice. It's not okay. No. It's like giving a kid a tattoo that they didn't pick and then being like, when you're old enough, you can have it removed if you want. Very painful. <laughs> when you're and expensive. 18, yeah. you can decide if you want it or not. I like, I, I always imagine from your tail story, I imagine it with a bow at the end, but I guess it is bells. I think it's bells. And I think it's bells. I imagine the golden hair glistening off the sun. I feel like they had, yeah, that was real. And I feel like they had sort of, a component of Indian cultural appropriation to their brand of hippiedom. <laughs> um, so, which I'm very familiar with. So I think the beads or the bells were of that variety. When I was in elementary school, I had a long ponytail and it was really ratty. And my mom really didn't like brushing my hair. Cause like it would basically like break the comb. Like it would be so ratty. She had this like Sesame street brand, like detangler. Like there was just like a lot of stuff involved. And like, then she would just end up cutting out the knots cause she just couldn't deal. But one time she took me to fantastic Sam's, which is like super cuts. And oh, I thought that was like electronics and like VCRs. Mm-mm. Just like very cheap haircuts. And this bald man who was the, barber or hairstylist cut off my ponytail at the base with no like my mom was like we're, no we're gonna Vaseline. go no <laughs> he just went for it my mom was like we're gonna go in for a trim before school pictures and he cut it off at the base and oh, at the time like it was framed as at the time it was framed as my mom was like that guy must have lost his mind can you believe it but now, in retrospect, as an adult, I feel like it was an inside job. She was like, just cut that fucking thing off. It's a Get rid of it. Because my mom has very short hair, and she always tried to talk me into having very short hair. And I was like, no. No matter what, don't play with the producer. <laughs> I have a very playful producer. Um, but at the time, then they were like, well, here, would you like, go get a toy out of our, like, Fantastic Sam's toy box. And I went and I thought it was going to be like a good toy. I'm such a fool. I thought it was going to be, it was a wooden ruler that said Fantastic Sam's. And I was so pissed. It's a toy. Yeah, but I ran to the car. I ran to the car. My mom ran after me. And she, I was like crying up against the car and she grabbed my shoulder. I turned around and I was like, you said you'd never hurt me. (laughs) (laughs) And she felt very bad. Good. And I looked like a boy in my 
school picture, which was not what I wanted at the time. And also, I had some homemade pants my mom had made me that were, like, not felt, but they were, like, one step up from felt like that polyester blanket of the 80s, which is, like, semi-soft on one side, but very scratchy and will catch on your toenails on the other side. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. that material for the pants with elastic bottoms, which was not cool at the time like it is now in Silver Lake, California. Like, just like a <laughs> like an elastic waist, an elastic, because she was trying to save some money by making my clothes, and I was just like, this sucks. Really sucks. That really does suck. Really Majorly do sucks. Um, I have a question for you. Have you ever met Martha Stewart? Funny you should ask. Yes, I have. I've met Martha before. Um, this is a story. I have to say that this is not the first time I've told this story what? on a podcast. Are you kidding me? It's out there. Do not tell listeners what the other podcast is. I won't. This is the first time you've told it. It's probably going to feel a little vulnerable for you. It's called uh, Murdering, Murder, Murdering, Murdering. It was a murder podcast. This is a story about how I I killed her. Did you go interview the families of people whose children had been murdered by serial killers in the 80s and re-traumatize them? Yes, that's exactly what I did. Um no, I uh, I met her because I was working in a restaurant that was kind of like a foodie type of place and um, in New York City. And she came in for for the luncheon hour, which is was usually pretty slow. So it was just her. It was a tiny restaurant, and it was, she was sitting at the counter. And a friend of mine was, was ser- serving her, and I was like, oh, I want to meet her. So at one point, this was a, oh, it was a Spanish restaurant. Um, so they had all this kind of like sort of like very, very good, very like high quality food from Spain influenced, blah, blah, blah. Um, and she, I went over to her and I said, Oh, how, how is everything? She's like, it's delicious. And then I was like, Oh good. I'm glad you're enjoying it. And I was like, Oh my God. Um, and then she goes, do you have any fried sparrows? And sparrows? That's what I said. Sparrows? Question mark? You know? Uh? I was like, like the like little birds that flies around? She was like, yeah. I was like, when I was in blah, 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 like she said some like r- remote region of Spain. Oh, we went to this village and they had the most amazing, incredible fried sparrows. And I was like, I'm sorry. Are you seeing like birds, like little birds? She was like, "Yeah, you just pop them in your mouth, beaks and all." What? Yeah. <laughs> and it's not really that I don't believe that like people would eat a fried bird. Like that's fine. But why? It's like her. I was like, "You are you are a witch. You're a goblin. You like are like. Do you have any children that are ready to go?" pop them in your mouth and then I was like thinking about her like having a little like burp with like a feather coming out anyway then I then I told the chef what she said and she was like oh my god that's crazy she's totally showing off she was just showing off because there is a region that that's like a delicacy for some I don't know I don't want to say the wrong thing because I have no idea what I'm talking about but um she was like that's absurd like that we would that we would do that I don't even think we can. She in was like, New York? Like, yeah. You just, like, go to Central Park with a net, and they're like, go on, Jibs. 
Yeah. So I, bird seed in a net? No. So that was my experience of meeting Martha. Not to be a Seinfeld, but have you ever noticed that I never try to sell you Blue Apron on the podcast? Or that we do not disparage and bemoan trips to the post office in favor of stamps.com? Well, it is because we have no advertisers. Zero. Producer Chris, producer Ponyo, and myself do this out of the goodness of our hearts, because we like it. If you would like to tip producer Chris Sutton, who dedicates hours to this series every week, please, 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 please send your tip of $5, $10, who knows how much, that's your business, via PayPal, to hornetleg at gmail.com. That is hornet, like the insect, leg, like one of his appendages, at gmail.com. If you do this, we will read your name on the podcast. Isn't that exciting? We may have advertisers someday, and we'll rant and rave about free sex toys and mattresses and Blue Apron and whatever, but in the meantime, thank you. We appreciate your support, and I look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. That was Ponyo's voice. Don't be scared. Bye. celebrities you have a grudge against um oh I there's gotta be one like I will never maybe I, I mean I could bleep her name I don't know I will never light up when someone talks about because who's that she was in the show Is but that sh- the, the one that's like a musical maybe yeah is she the star? I think so. She was emceeing mm-hmm. that rock and roll Camp yes! Girls Foundation I, I, I thing. Was like, I was like, she was such a bitch to me there that I'll never. She was really drunk, and she, I don't remember what happened, but like Beth Ditto had me come on stage, and she's like Beth, Beth, and she's like, and whatever your name is, like she just like into the mic was like whatever about me when I went up to like it wasn't me do a give no it wasn't but I was just but she was just like a sloppy drunk like what whatever famous person and I was like oh, I'm just never ho. I'm just like never gonna be like and she's so cool I just feel like straight girl horizontal oppression like horizontal oh, aggression I hate that I I do get my feelings hurt when celebrities that I love are not nice I mm-hmm. I get I, when I met when I met Patty Smith at the uh, at my restaurant, I I was like flipping out, and I got a, a take her order, and she didn't look at me. She made the person that was ordering with her order for. She was like, "Do they have blah, 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 like really low?" And not looking at me, it, it it was just really awkward, and I was. But now that I am a celebrity, I know how it is. It's just so hard. <laughs> Sometimes you just need a goddamn break. <laughs> but, I mean, it was – I do think that, like, I'm more used to it now that I live in L.A. and I lived in New York for so long. More so living in L.A. because you just – there's so many famous people here. And you see them. They're just like us. Except for they're rich and famous. <laughs> but I also feel like I know more people that have lives that – are not as private as my life is. And, and it's doesn't, it does not seem that very fun. No. So I have more compassion, but I definitely was like very hurt that she didn't want to, I don't know, give, write me a poem on the spot or something. I was just like, Oh my God. Like I, 
you know, but then, you know, it's like when people, it's like celebrities means if they really are an artist that you love, they mean so much to you. Their work means so much. Like, especially if it's someone like Patti Smith where, you know, it was like the first time I ever heard this kind of thing. And I didn't know you could do this as a woman. And I didn't know you could sound like that. And I didn't know you could talk about this and that. And just the things that like really matter and, it's just like it's not them, you know. It's not their. It's not them in a restaurant that you wanna. Yeah. That you're identifying with. It's like something else that they put in the world, and thank God they did. But I don't know. I always say hello. I always say hello or thank you or something if I see someone that I think is really great. Like I saw. Um, I saw that actor who plays. Omar on the wire mm. once in a grocery store in, in New York and, and you know there were like the aisles in New York and grocery stores are like super skinny so I had to do like do I give him my front or my do I give yeah. him my this front or the, or the rear and I <laughs> fronted him and I didn't know what to say so I just said just came out God bless you <laughs> and then I saw uh, I saw uh, uh, Kristen Wiig recently oh my god and I'm just, I just think she's so fantastic. And I thought, I, I don't want to bother her. She was at a restaurant by my house. I don't want to bother her. But I just couldn't, I got so excited. And then I passed by her table and I just, I was leaving. I was on my way to the car. So I was like, I'm not going to sit and I'm not going to say hi. I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to pass by and say, uh, what did I, I think I said, yeah, I think I said, God bless you, Kristen Wiig. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? I think I did. I think I said, God bless you, Kristen Wiig. <laughs> and then my friend was with me, just started bowing at her and going, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then she looked up and she and she put her hand on her heart and she goes, you guys just made my day. I think she was having like a shitty meeting. She didn't look like she was having fun at all. Oh. Was the person still there while you guys? Yeah. Hmm. It was like a businessy person. I like that you're like a Mother Teresa kind of for celebrities. God bless you, Kristen <laughs> Wiig. You're doing the Lord's work. She is, though. She fully is. <laughs> I met Lauren Michaels at a party. He did not care to meet me, but I forced myself on him. I was just like, hi, my name's Nicole. Nice to meet you. And I shook his hand forcibly, and he was like, <laughs> And then you were like, and here is my impression of Napoleon. <laughs> well, we've got to take your way out of the world. <laughs> and then, said, this is my dog's voice. <laughs> my name's Ponyo. Where's your ball? <laughs> he was like, yeah, hi, kid. You got something. He's like, wait a minute. That is wonderful. I was like, here's my dog, Lamb Chop, who's no longer with us. Hey, whippersnapper, I want to get on Saturday Night Live. Hey, whippersnapper. <laughs> oh, fuzzy wuzzy. Was he or wasn't he? Was he, was he, was a, was a bear? Was a, Come on, was he or wasn't he? What was he? And then I got the job. Clearly. That's why we're here at 30 Rockefeller Center together. <laughs> Excuse me, Paige. Paige boy. It's Saturday Night Live starring Ponyo Georges. Sammy Pickens. I do have a, um, a SNL story, though, because there was a character on <gasps> SNL called Dynasty Handbag. DJ Dynasty Handbag. This is the deep dish. Deep house dish. Deep, deep house dish. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was not funny. No. Um, and this happened when I was living in New York. And I was actually taking 
classes at UCB at the time, and there were a lot of people that had gone through UCB to SNL, like Amy Poehler. And so my teacher knew a lot of people that were on the show. And I told him what had happened. I said, there's a character on the show now that has my name and it's very, and it's obscure name. And I don't know what the fuck is going on. Cause people are like calling me and telling me and be like, what's going on. And, um, he said that they were like notorious poachers, Ooh. that the writers are under such crazy strain and deadlines that they just like have to find material and they just steal things left and right. He's like, they probably saw your name in, like, the Village Voice or some dumb club show that I was doing. And we're like, oh, that's funny. And they took it. So I had went through this whole, like, legal thing and was like, cease and desist. And I got, like, a lawyer and volunteer lawyers for the arts took the case. But then nobody would, like, actually work the case because nobody wanted to – nobody could be – all the all the attorneys were like, oh, it's a conflict of interest because NBC – You told them to cease and desist and they – and they did not. And they did eventually because it was, like, not a good skit. But it was very annoying. And um, it would get confusing because if you Google Dynasty Handbag, that that will come up sometimes. It was not a good character. It was not a good – it was not at all a good sketch. But I remember I was watching SNL every Saturday at the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what you get when you've been around for a long time. You have such a classic moniker. People just want to steal it. And um, I try not to be a bitter old queen about it. You know? Well, I've been doing that. I've been doing that sketch for... And then people will say to me, you should be on Saturday Night Live. That's my favorite thing. I'm like... You're like, really? It hadn't occurred to me. It hasn't What do you think? You think I'm funny? It hasn't been a dream. That was one of my dreams when I was a kid. Of course. Isn't that the dream? Because I would stay home from, I would never go to school and I would watch like vintage, like 70s SNL or like 80s, I guess 80s SNL. The 70s stuff was a little harder for me to parse, but like 80s, like Lorraine Newman era SNL. I was crazy about Gilda Radner. I used to do all the imitations of Roseanne, Rosanna Dana, and I just loved her. I mean, I still do love her, but, um, Yeah, I mean, I really thought that's what my life would look like. I thought I was going to be, like, a famous actor-comedian person. Kind of are. And I am. And now you is. Bring me my snails on my lobster, (laughs) please. Bring me my Robin Redbreads. (laughs) Bring me my golden toothpaste right now. I've been recently thinking about, like, when I fall asleep, I've been thinking about a mouse that I had in my house that that made a little nest inside my vacuum cleaner. Because the vacuum bag was just full of dog hair. And so the mouse crawled in the hole because I have the hose separate. So we crawled in the hole in a little nest. I was thinking how unfortunate it was that it was disgusting because he peed in his nest. And so I found out when I, like, turned on the vacuum and it, it's, like, the hot, you know, like, warms up. Mouse pee? Yeah, it's, like, a hot mouse pee smell. And um, But I was thinking how cute it was to think about him crawling in the hole in the vacuum and being like, good night, and making a little pillow out of Ponyo oh, hair. Oh, God. I thought about it because I thought about a little rat. And then you vacuum up a penny and he's like, ow! <laughs> hey, you kill him. <laughs> it was a staple. <laughs> he's oh. like, meow, good night. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. I'm obsessed with, what am I obsessed with? Murder? If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters, call or text our advice hotline, 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. 
That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. What are your top three things that you've been into lately? It could be TV, food, whatever. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Okay, good. I like your segue because you, you, you're acting like you don't already know. Um, okay, well, I've been really into the new Beverly Hills 90210, which is called BH 90210. But whole 90210. Okay. Um, I've also been watching Pose. But I'm not done with that yet. Um, but BH 90210 is like... Uh, and I'm validated because I actually found an article online by Emily Nussbaum. Oh. Saying, to saying yeah. that she validated my feelings about it, which I was like, this is kind of brilliant and um, very entertaining. Basically what they did is they got the they got the gang back together. The real gang? The real gang. So it's like, it's uh, Jenny Garth, um, Kelly, yeah. fucking Brenda, yeah. um, Shannon Doherty, Jason Priestley, um, Luke's dead, obviously, RIP, and then Gabrielle Cartieras, mm-hmm. um, uh, and Tori Spelling. It was, Gabrielle is the one that was like 47 when she was in high school, yes. so now she's like an octogenarian. She's um, actually the one who looks the most the same because she was so old at the time. Um, <laughs> Jason Prezi looks like fucking dog shit. He looks <laughs> terrible. It's really sad, actually. Tori looks amazing, but also like a cow, which is cute because <laughs> they're so cute. They're so cute, like her eyes on the side of her head oh, yeah. and her big mouth. And um, uh, Jenny Garth looks good. Ian Ziering. Okay, so. Basically, what they did is they got everyone together, and the show is them trying to make a reboot of 90210. Oh. But they're they're themselves. But they're not themselves, because they're playing these heightened Yes. They're playing heightened versions of themselves based on what the public already thinks that they're like. This is like a Curb Your Enthusiasm Seinfeld reboot. It's like meta, but it's also terrible at the same time so it's like meta and fucking with your head because you're like this is so smart and they're really playing with the celebrity idea and there's all these references to things that you know like like the joke about gabrielle gutierrez is that a she's a grandma in the show and b she's a fucking lesbian which is like you know um or she wants to explore sexuality so they're all trying to make this new uh reboot pilot so they're all trying to come up with how what they want their characters to be like, but they're they're actually just doing it themselves. It's themselves doing it. So Jason Priestley has a really bad reputation for being like an angry guy. So he's like a total cock on the show, um, and like Tori had like a reality oh, yeah. TV career, so that's part of her narrative. Um, what about Brenda? Okay, Brenda is the most genius because she's invented this character of herself that's like a little bit like Angelina Jolie-ish, like blazing hot, like leather pants, like, or like pleather pants animal rescue person, like traversing the world wearing like Peruvian beads and like saving monkeys and stuff. But she's also like banging hot and like meditating and like, it's just all the LA stuff. 
But it's kind of genius because she's also, like, really trying to not play the evil person. But they keep writing her in the pilot as, like, this twat. But she is a twat. But it's her actor self. Interesting. The best scene so far that I've seen is Tori. So the the first the first episode is Tori is it is her baby, her genius idea that she wants to get everybody back together for a reboot. Everyone's like, no, fuck off. Certain circumstances happen that makes her you know makes everybody get on board. Financial hardships, yeah. you know, whatever, well, etc. Tori got written out of the will, so of course she wants to reboot. Her financial situation is is her storyline, basically. Yeah. Is, like, everyone being like, how the fuck, why do you need money? But she's got, like, bills. But in the show, they actually have bills, like, on paper. Like, she's like, bills! Like, yeah. <laughs> envelopes and stuff. Look at all these bills. <laughs> it's like the 80s. or like, bills in a file cabinet. Yeah. I'm like, who the fuck has bills I mean, in this world? Yeah. Anyway, so the bills are piling up. <laughs> And um, she's got all these kids and stuff. And then, okay, so there's, I'm really talking a lot about this. Okay, so one of the best scenes, there's two really good ones, starring Tori. I'm, like, obsessed with her now. She builds a a dollhouse, like, diorama of the Peach Pit and has these little dolls of every single character. And when they say yes and they're in, they sign on. They get put into the peach bit diorama. Stop. And then, oh, Jenny Garth backed out because she's having emotional problems. She's kind of a drunk, blah, blah, blah. And then she plucks her out. So it's like, this is sort of like the narrative structure for the beginning. Brenda is the last resort, of course. But you can't, where is she? Who knows? She's in Nepal. She's in the Congo. She's all over the place. She's saving monkeys. She's doing this. She's doing that. She's like, I'm going to find her. I'm going to be a producer like her dad. So she goes to the Andes. It's like the Andes on the, the best scene is her climbing up the mountain, a mountain with her bag, like crawling. Like a, like a backpack or like a bag, like a bag, like a big luggage bag from some fucking person like her. (laughs) And she's like dragging it up a mountain yeah. Just randomly. It's probably like that clump of trees in Griffith Park. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she's all like dirty, but she's like crawling like like she's in the army kind of. But there's no <laughs> reason for that. And she gets to the top of the mountain. And Brenda's there with like some hot shamanic, like generic, like whatever, South American, who knows, kind yeah. of. And he speaks to her in some, like, native tongue that I don't know if is real or not. But, yeah. of course, she understands it. Yeah. And he's basically like, you've got to do the show. <laughs> you've got to do the reboot. Like a shaman would say. Yeah, because, duh. And um, that was my favorite scene. I What's your like second favorite watching. scene? I guess my second favorite scene is um, <laughs> when, when they all start to receive their dolls in the mail back to them like cut apart and like voodooed <laughs> by Tori but nobody knows there's a mystery that's also thrown on top of this pile of dog shit <laughs> it's so good but there's only s- six episodes and we don't know whether the, the pilot gets made but they don't know whether it's going to get picked up um, and I'm in that situation right now, so I really related to all of their st- Hollywood struggles. This is a hot segue. 
Yes, I mean, believe me, I massaged it on the way over here. Is, no, I didn't. Is there but... any way for people to watch your pilot? No. How can people watch some of your videos? Oh, videos. Well, um, I'm not very organized with my videos. Somebody, I need some like outside criticism of like what would be the best way because I never know like what should go on vi- YouTube, what should go on Vimeo. Whatever. Anyway, if you go to my website, there's lots of links to stuff. DynastyHandbag.biz? DynastyHandbag.org. I am now a nonprofit for myself. Wonderful. No, it's just .com. Um, DynastyHandbag.com. But I have a Dynasty Handbag YouTube channel where Masterpiece Weirdo is. What's Masterpiece Weirdo? Funny as it is. So I have, um, you know, the monthly show, Weirdo Night, to which you are a regular and very much appreciated attendee. Thank you. I cannot tell you. Because I see you, you know? I see the people that, that are regs, and they mean a lot to me. People outside of L.A. may not know this, but me and some other friends show up about two hours early to sit so we're first in line. And something, it's called lesbian tailgating. Not everyone in the group is a lesbian, but it's called lesbian tailgating. It's when you get a bar stool from Zebulon and you sit right in front of that door. You have your drink there. You have your French fries there. Using a different stool as a table. You just want to be first in line because there's not that many seats. And sometimes some jackhole will be first and they'll save 20 seats for their friends. So I want to get the jump on them by getting there at like 3 p.m. Yeah, because there's only for like seven o'clock four show. seats. Yeah. Yeah, and it gets packed in there. Yeah. And there's bleachers for people younger than me. Yeah, bleachers that are very uncomfortable. Um, Anyway, but the show's great. It's really fun. And we've been shooting it on, uh, like, a high def. (laughs) (laughs) They call it 4K. I don't know what that means. I don't know what the K is for. Um, uh, Video and uh, my partner who shoots the show had this brilliant idea to make a recap show based on masterpiece theater. So I sit in like a big stuffy chair and wear an ascot and I'm like, last week on masterpiece we do. And then I have like, you know, little segues and I make dumb jokes. And, but we've only made one episode and it's from July. Mm-hmm. So we're backed up now, August, September. Yeah. So we have two to make. And we ju- we lost the footage from our August show, oh, no. so we we recorded it. We do it in our garage, and it's nowhere to be found. We bought this like recovery software, recovery software, and we couldn't find it, so we have to reshoot it. But I don't know when we're gonna do that. Oh. But we're gonna release a little special video that we did make. Can uh, the see- earthquake song. What's the earthquake song? Uh, it's like I pull these things out of my bag. They're really just props that I make pretend like it's an earthquake kit. You didn't see that one? Maybe you were out of town. Uh, water bottle. Water bottle. (laughs) Producer Ponyo's a little bit blind. Chips. <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry to laugh at you, but that was fucking hilarious. Oh, you just ate shit trying to jump on the couch. Girl. <laughs> Today she was Girl. jumping on the curb and the grass was like standing. The grass was like above the curb somehow, like the sod. And she hit her head on the sod. <laughs> and then she was injured. 
Jibs, what's your Patreon? Can people give you money? Oh, yeah, for Masterpiece Weirdo. Patreon slash Dynasty Handbag, I guess it is. Yeah. Um, but I'm much, I'm, I need to get moving on that, too. But luckily, I'm on your Patreon. So every time I get something from you, I get a nice little shot of guilt. So thank you. You're welcome. I need to get on top of it. Well, this is good. It's been a rough summer. It has not been easy this summer. And, uh, like, I've been th- a little thrown off, off my game. Yeah. Um, by stupid things. Like the planet over there and this one up in there. Mm. But, like, a broken computer. A car that wasn't working. Got feeling sick. Like, nothing major, but just not on my... Not not flowing. Well, we're going to get back, back in the flow. We're going to get back in the flow. We're going to get back in the flow. Like a long pair of linen pants. Jibs, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for being you and being such a great artist and also for um, inviting me. And what else? Oh, I don't know. Holding it down for like, you know, just um, like in L.A. and your authenticity. And thank you for um, being um, a vegan. There's only one vegan left. That's me. And it's Nicole. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.